0: This is just another Hallmark holiday cooked up to sell cards. It's Manson Mitchell on the weekend with Gary Manson's Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to power up your day. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Happy Valentine's weekend, everyone. I'm Gary Manson. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together. Yes, together, 20 years together. We're Manson and Mitchell for 20 years, 15 of them spent in some of your ears anyway, and yeah. the numbers increase and we hear good things, so we keep on doing this. Hope you're having a wonderful weekend in the run-up, not only to the big, big game. game sponsored by the National Football League, which annually attracts worldwide attention, but also something else that attracts worldwide attention on Monday.
1: There's another big game on Monday, too. Two big games (laughs) back-to-back. And I'm
0: betting on Cupid come Monday. I'm betting on (laughs) Cupid, too. We are here joined, well, we're here in Sarasota, Florida, but in Seattle, we are managed very ably by tall guy Nathan Miller. Nathan, how are you doing today, sir? Good
1: morning, Gary and Suzanne. And if you're one of those people where Valentine's Day is Schmalentine's Day, then luckily, like you said, you got the big game tomorrow. And that's right. a very good distraction and maybe lighten
0: the mood a little bit.
1: That's true. That's true. Because, you know, for some people, they look forward to Valentine's Day. And for others, it's just another reminder that they don't have a Valentine. And so Valentine's Schmalentine. And then there are <laughs> the people who call it Valentine's Day. Including uh, Penny from uh, Big Bang Theory, Valentine's Day. I don't know
0: when that got started, <laughs> but I, I've had friends that go, so we're going out to dinner on Valentine's Day, and they just say they don't say it like it's Valentine's Day, where it would be cute. It's like Valentine's Day, we're going you know, like <laughs> you really meant to say that.
1: <laughs> well, of course, like you said, we're all betting on Cupid to bring us our true Valentine, but who's your big bet for the big game? Oh, that's a good question. Do you know what? I have not really selected my preference. Um, I'm looking for a good game, but since neither one of those two teams are teams that, that I follow, I guess I don't really care too much. Who, who wins? Do you Gary? I I don't,
0: you know, I don't have a dog in that fight, but I do have the Rams winning the Super Bowl. Mm. I believe that uh, the Rams, uh, they're solid team. Matthew Stafford, outstanding quarterback. This is his big moment. I think he will answer the call of destiny. And they've got a heck of a pass rush rush defense as well. So, And they're playing on their home turf. Second year in a row that's going to happen. The home team, only two times in Super Bowl history. Oops, I mean, (laughs) the big game history where you have the team actually hosting it and being the home team. Question for me is if we're going to get into the weeds and we got to get to Catherine Alice, we have to hear from this lady, but I will say this much that um, when you talk about the way they do the home team visitor team, it can be strange. Isn't it possible, Nathan, that, and I have to look this up. Isn't it possible that you could have the Rams playing in their home stadium, but being the visiting team? It is very possible. It's based on the record and who has a better record going into the game. But here's something to keep in mind. If you're
1: one of those people that appreciates signs, think about this. It's the year of the Tiger,
0: and then you got yes. the Bengals going in for oh, the first time ever.
1: Is, it is the year of the well, Tiger. Well, that could happen. Maybe I'm it'll be the to... year for
0: the Bengals. We'll see. Yeah. Well, it could be. It could be. I remember, and I want to say it was Super Bowl... Ooh, it was Super Bowl eleven or Super Bowl twelve? I do forget which, but it's the first time that the Oakland Raiders won the Super Bowl back in the days of Kenny the Snake Stabler. And when the Super Bowl was played in the Rose Bowl out in Pasadena, California, the Raiders clobbered the Minnesota Vikings, and it was already on that day, the year of the snake and ken stabler's nickname for his whole career was mm. the snake so there may be something may to be this something and now you're giving it. us a different angle nathan All right,
1: Nathan. another
0: reason to pay close attention tomorrow i guess today we will be remiss we will be doing a disservice to our listeners both those who are lovingly ensconced in a meaningful relationship sometimes called marriage sometimes called long-term relationship and uh, you have the love lauren as well god knows i've been there intermittently is the challenge. We've been on both
1: sides of that fence. We absolutely
0: (laughs) have. And then we looked across the fence and we saw each other. Oh, Mm, who are you? Interesting. Mm. (laughs) And the book we're talking about, 15 years after its publication, still going strong, love will find you. Nine magnets to bring you and your soulmate together. Catherine Alice teaches
1: and writes breakthrough material in the arenas of dating and love. Her approach stresses awareness and faith, and this positive, upbeat outlook has helped many singles enjoy their unattached status, and thousands go on to find love, Her book, Love Will Find You, Nine Magnets to Bring You and Your Soulmate Together, was published, as Gary said, in 2007. She lives in California with her soulmate, John, and we are thrilled to have her for her annual visit with us. This is her 13th time on Manson Mitchell. She started in 2009, and we just, we look forward to this annual visit. It's always wonderful to talk with Catherine Alice. Welcome to Manson Mitchell, Catherine.
2: Thank you so much for having me, you guys.
1: Since we are now on Zoom and have been for more than a year, we get to see you even though our listeners don't get to see you. And Gary was remarking about your wall.
0: I mean, this to me, it, it's The greatest example, and I just saw it a couple of minutes ago for the first time, Catherine, it's the greatest example I can recall of someone taking a space and repurposing it to serve a higher value, in this case, love, the highest of them all. I've done stuff like that. You know, we've all treasure mapped and we have our picture boards and all that good stuff. I've done some of that too, and it worked powerfully, I must say. Nothing like what I'm seeing behind you, though. Our listeners don't have the visual. Describe it for us, please.
2: Well, there's a bunch of pictures, and more than you can see, that it's a whole wall full of pictures of people who have found love, like reading my book and using my work. And I use it to remind myself I've done well in the world and that there is no limits to what we can hope for and with love. I just got sent a story today of a um, A a woman who was widowed at age 70 and at age 73, she just got engaged and she's madly in love. And so there's just no limit. Love doesn't know a limit like that. And this is a reminder of that.
1: Oh, you are so right. I mean, the limits that are on love are really just the self-imposed one. And that's why your book is still going strong after 15 years. And I, I think it's it's fascinating that that we keep talking about this thing, this holiday dedicated to love. Today we want to know how porcupines mate.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Very carefully. <laughs> yes.
1: When you're doing your workshop, what do you do you find any commonalities when you when you get people together in a room and you start going through these nine magnets? is there, is there one or two where people you see them shaking their head and going, Oh, that's me. Does there seem to be one or two that really resonate with the people who come to do their work with you?
2: Uh, well, the first one is the, you know, probably the biggest, just believing that there's someone for you. People get so cynical. You know, you have a couple hard knocks in love and I guess it's easy to shut down and just get cynical and um, just believing that there really could be the right person. Luckily, our past doesn't have to be a predictor of what's coming if we don't let it. And so that's a big one. Therefore, decluttering your heart and getting rid of all that past so we can have a fresh page is also a big one. And then the other one, is the dating one. That's later in the book, but people don't like today. They hate it. And um, there are certain reasons why, but I think dating can be reconfigured to be a a nice time that leads straight into the arms of the the one, you know?
1: Well, everything you just said absolutely applies to me and my life.
0: First of (laughs) all,
1: I created the worst Valentine's karma that it's possible to create When I was in grammar school and a boy that I did not like, who was not from Illinois and spoke with a funny accent, brought over a box of chocolates and I wouldn't take them. I did not (laughs) want to be associated with this boy at school. And he was, you know, odd character and he liked me and I sent him home with his chocolates and I said, no, no, I can't eat that. I can't eat that. And I sent him away and then the guilt stayed with me until the next time I celebrated Valentine's, which I did with Gary.
2: Oh I my mean, goodness! That's
1: how long that—that's a stretch. Acid.
0: Oh, <laughs> I've gotten early word of this. You're you're damn right. If you guess, I didn't bring her any chocolates. <laughs> I'm starting to get spooked. Huh?
2: Gary, good for you. You read the room.
0: <laughs> that's <laughs> I read the room exactly. I, I will say this, Suzanne, and I've thought this for a lot because you and I have discussed that incident more than once. Yeah. And I'll tell you, Catherine, when I think about it. In what you hear Suzanne say, the next time she celebrated Valentine's Day, it was with me. I think there's a whole book in there because it seems to me, Suzanne, what you were doing subconsciously, at least, was punishing yourself.
1: Absolutely. There's there's no trick about that. I mean, once you turn somebody away who is bringing you their heart and a heart full of chocolates, and you, you send them away because you're embarrassed and you don't want to be associated with them, then you've got, you've got some real heavy karma you're working with. I
2: I don't, I don't really believe that. I just think you were young, naive, and you didn't know how to handle it. But A, one of the things that I teach is that there is no rejection. There was only the wrong fit. He wasn't your guy you know? And so, you know, you could have handled it better probably, but also there is no guilt in dating. There can't be because people get hung up. People literally marry someone out of guilt rather than wait for the right person. And that's not good. It leads to even worse heartache. So, you know, maybe you were doing him a favor. (laughs)
1: Yeah. You know, that was something I wrote down for the interview and that's kind of funny that you jumped right there is, um, you know, marrying waiting to marry for the right reasons, instead of the wrong reasons. And somewhere in your book, you know, you said that could lessen the divorce rate if people would just stop right. marrying for the wrong mm-hmm. reasons. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, yeah.
2: Well, that's and, why people ask me if true love exists, why is our divorce rate so high? Our divorce yeah. rate is so high, because people don't wait, they think, oh, they get desperate. And like, just Settle for the next person who comes along. They marry because they think it's time, uh, you know, and, and they just didn't wait for the right person. And it, and that's why. So luckily, people are doing that less and less. It's OK to be single. More people are single than married in the U.S. Yes. And there's no, you know, people are independent. And so there's no compelling reason to marry anymore unless it really is the right one.
1: yes. My um my nephew is having an engagement party tonight and uh-huh. I know that my brother has been um you know wondering if he would ever find love in his life. He he had a dog and so all <laughs> of his love was going to his dog and his dog loved him and uh and now tonight he's having an engagement party and he's 36. So he has not been married before. He didn't marry for the wrong reasons. He waited until 36 years old to get married for the right reasons because. Well, there's
2: something to be said for that rather than, um, you know, he probably skipped a world of heartache because a lot of people have what they call starter marriages it's the wrong one. And then just divorce itself is very painful and there's so much involved. So he kind of skipped that. He sounds smart and I'm happy for him.
0: Yeah, me too. Me (laughs) too. Yay. You know, uh, you've got that wall of weddings. It's such an inspiration. One of the things Suzanne and I talked about in preparation, because we always like to do something a little different with you, you know, you've been on, I mean, yeah. you've got a baker's dozen in appearances going <laughs> That's here. That's right. We have to stay on our toes. But I'm curious to know if there are one or two, maybe three stories, could be yours included, Catherine,
2: of uh-huh. people
0: who met How they met sometimes feels like destiny. And there are other times people get married and they may feel like ultimately we got married and I feel like I married my best friend, which is wonderful. But I think we all carry around in our heads that fantasy of like, they're going to be skyrockets and it's love at first sight. I'm sure it actually happens, but for me, it's a bit more developmental than that.
2: Yeah, it just depends on the person. I think everybody has to have that feeling of romance toward the other person and, you know, a spark for sure. You know, that's how you know it's right. But for some people, if you waited a long time and you have like maybe a picket fence around your heart, it takes a minute to realize, oh, that's the one. I read, I saw this study that was interesting. 90% of people do not experience love at first sight. You know, you hear about the person who's like, they meet and it's like, that's who I'm going to marry. And then it happens that only happens 10% of the time. And I was more like you, Gary, where it was, um, I, when I met my husband, I had been attracting because of the work I do, I've been attracting kind of wounded birds who, who wanted healing. And they didn't necessarily, wasn't for the right reasons, you know, that they were drawn to me. And so I I learned to be very careful about it and it took me a while, but John just kept doing the right things. And I kept having this feeling for him until, you know, the rest is history. And so for everybody, it really is different, but, uh, it does happen. I, one of my sayings that I, people really enjoy is just that you can't miss your soulmate. If it's your one, you will know. You just need to give it a chance if, if it's kind of moving in the right direction. So, yeah.
1: I was saying a um, few moments ago how um, my nephew had a dog and the dog, unfortunately, has has passed now. Um, yeah, He, he had mm. the dog a long time. And uh-huh. uh, and and so now now he has a woman in his life. But it reminded me of a, a woman that we know that had a very unusual dog, a a, a borzoi, very very large. Oh wow! Very large dog,
2: uh-huh. unusual
1: dog, and she met her soulmate when her soulmate was walking down the street with. Another (laughs) Borzoi.
2: Boy, that is, and that's one of the ways that happen a lot for people I work with. There are these weird signs and synchronicities that are just very unlikely. It has to be more than a coincidence. And that's like a perfect example of one.
1: And they now have six. They have six Oh oh my
2: gosh! I gotta look up this dog. It's
1: it's huge. It's like a horse dog. It's just giant. We used to go to their house when they lived here in Sarasota, and uh, and they they there it was like it was like a room full of horses running around, little ponies running around. They're pretty huge, huge huge dogs. (laughs) Oh my god! Wow, that's and they loved them, and they love them, and they're unusual, especially Uh in the. And I think they they're purebred dogs. Yes. I mean, and so well
2: having something major in common like that really yeah. is bonding too. I've had so many, you know, strange stories about particular interests where, you know, it just it just flows in that way. One couple like on this wall, actually, they met in a biking club, you know, they would bike like today's Saturday, a lot of people go out and bike all day in a group and they met and they ended up like, I think the picture, I don't know where it is here, but the picture is they got married on bikes with white bike helmets. You know, she had a white one. He had a black, you know, it's so cute. Yeah, Yeah.
0: (laughs) There just has to be, this must happen all the time. I mean, there is a subset of American society that is just thrilled with Harley motorcycles. I have to believe there have been thousands over the years Thousands that's of. Right, I'm leather. sure.
2: I bet if we googled it, we come up with so many. That's and true, photos. and that's a great way to me is a, a shared love for like, motorcycles. People are passionate about that.
0: Well, they definitely are, and it goes for anything. I imagine you could get a red hot couple that have a shared enthusiasm for stamp collecting.
2: You know? <laughs> Probably in that world, you know, there's got to be some romances, right?
1: Well, I'm hearing a triangulation of um, two people and common interest. Mm. And, you know, so one way that you can really attract, I think, your soulmate is to, um, you know, expand what the thing that you're interested in, whether it's a, a writer's club or or bikes or It's funny dogs. you should say
2: that. That's one of the things I recommend. If you look at statistics, people still even after the pandemic, people still don't meet online. Online there's a lot to it and people do meet, but more people meet out in the world still than with a dating app. You, you know, no it's just easier. There's more bonding and so there's really something to that. That's one of the techniques I use with clients who are mainly avoid attachment where they've been single a long time and they're not, you know, they're kind of there's some fear at play that keeps them avoiding is we it's just a little gentler to put together a group or get involved in something they're interested in, where there's a community. Because with a community, you get to know people just like you guys met, too. And my husband and I, too. But um there's a commonality of interest of some kind. Um, there, you get to know each other over a period of time. So if you've been blocked, there's a gradual bonding uh that doesn't happen to happen when you just meet cute and that's it. You, you know what I mean? So yes. that's yeah. a really great idea.
1: Uh, Gary and I met at the Center for Spiritual Living Seattle, and we were we were both of a, you know, a religious science kind of orientation. It was a, um, a religion that appeals to the both of us. And we both Mm -hmm. came from other religious backgrounds. I would have probably not met him going to a Catholic church. He probably would not have met me going to a Presbyterian church but the two of us met each other at a religious science church because we were both interested in that philosophy uh, of living. And we, to us, we, we left our other religions to take on a new one. And so, you know, again, you're talking about that common interest. If you are, you know, lucky enough to have, to find somebody that is interested in the same things you're interested in, then I think you're, you're already a step ahead of everybody else who maybe is trying to work out a lot of differences. I mean, right. if, if he was a strict Catholic and I was a strict Presbyterian, we we would have had a lot of religious stuff that we would have had to have worked out with, you know, holidays and celebrations and and where we go to church and that kind of thing. But, you know, as it turned out, it was like, okay, well, we got that one handled. Now what else can we I know, it's about? so true.
2: And yeah. usually if it's your person, you do have a lot in common. I have a couple who recently got married who one is Muslim and one is a Catholic that, you know, it's, it's, and yet they have such a good relationship. I think it, it depends because sometimes, you know, love doesn't know bounds. So the minute, you might draw a line like that then somebody's going to come along and just completely blow the line away <laughs> cuz love just doesn't know boundaries but usually there is something like that that this commonality um this couple that i was talking about they of course now have um, they, they have so much in common because they love each other's families, even despite the differences. And also, I mean, I hate to say it, but like baseball, <laughs> they're into baseball, <laughs> you know, but there's always that, you know, connection. And, uh, and as you grow together, I am sure you guys have pet names for each other and little inside jokes. That's what starts happening as you start developing this whole soulmate thing, which is so fun just to have that companion and best friend and, and all the little inside jokes. <laughs>
1: We have too many names for one another. (laughs)
2: <laughs> we, we, we have a well, whole. Well, tell glossary. us. I'm sure your audience wants to hear. What are some of your names, Rachel? Oh, oh
0: really no. <laughs> <laughs> Even though most of them are repeatable on the radio, that's just kind of our, our thing with each other. Right. But it's interesting, Catherine, because in using these pet names, I will find myself going almost a week at a time without using her name, Suzanne. <laughs> Every pet name I have for her in all sorts of references but uh, usually this is what happens with couples too they hear their first name like suzanne or show gary it's like oh we're being alerted to something important this isn't lovey-dovey talk this is now we're having an issue i guess <laughs>
1: <laughs> heaven forbid you get both the first name and the middle name yeah,
0: then you're in trouble. <laughs> it
1: is
2: like okay <laughs> wow yeah i've noticed that like i just I used to be so cynical and all I ever saw was divorce and unhappy single people. Now I see soulmates or people opening up to their soulmate. And I have noticed that I, you know, I've kind of started studying them because I get to be around so many. And one of the characteristics is that you know, all the little names for each other. Well,
0: I will <laughs> share this one with you there. I, my, my go-to nickname for Suzanne is bear. And yeah, she calls I was going to say bear. Are you we kidding we, me?
1: We call each other bear. my
0: bear. You know what is
2: that? Like what's the background with
0: that? Um, just the sense of being uh loving, Ted, you know, bears. there's a fullness oh, of love, like yeah. teddy bear. Aww. We have a refrigerator magnet that says a hug can turn a grizzly into a teddy.
2: Oh, I love that. So that, that is that's, so that, cute. When we went to
1: Yellowstone, we got a huge yield sign in the bright yellow that said bear crossing on it, and we hang that in our kitchen.
2: Oh, so, cute. Oh my yeah. gosh. I love that. See what I'm yeah. saying? The minute I say it, you tried out this, you know, adorable. <laughs> story.
0: And the, <laughs> the connection for me is that I have a saying and we use it all the time. If there's tension, that there are pressures from outside our home impinging on our domestic tranquility, I'll just remind Suzanne or she will remind me two bears, one, one bear, bear cave. cave. And that's our way of saying to each other, we don't let outside pressures intrude on what we have built now 20 years and going. Uh, The idea is two bears under this roof, two bears, one bear cave, wherever that cave may be. So let's remember that we're in this together. And it's just a way of holding a hand up to the outside world, you know. talk to the claw. <laughs> We're not interested in any of this that. kind of trouble. We're building a, a lasting lifelong love affair here. So don't mess with us.
2: I love that. You know, when I occasionally I officiate weddings, I mean, because so many people get married. Um, and one of the things I say in the ceremony I perform is I ask the audience to take a vow, you know, the people attending. And I ask them, to never say an unkind word about one of them to the other as a way of kind of honoring that cave. I love that analogy, but honoring the cave because words can have an effect and, and you you know, nobody else should, should infringe on that, you know, that bond and, and that sacred union, you know, and so...
1: Yeah, but I think families do all the time.
2: They do. And that's why I yeah. say that is I try to get them in agreement that they're going to honor the relationship yeah. and not not chip away at it in any way. Yeah. So, but families yeah. do. It's true.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I, I just, I recognize that and I see it all the time where, you know, families will not love your mate as much as you love your mate, and so then there's you know a criticism or a remark or
0: uh-huh.
1: you know, an eye roll or or something else, and and yeah, that's um, that, that's not a good thing. You know? Yeah, so let, excellent. Let your let your family's uh,
2: opinion. Well, I love that you guys influence. just came upon that together and figured yeah. that out, and then that's your way of handling it because you know if different people have different interest and maybe somebody's jealous because you're giving all your time to somebody else we never know what their underpinning is right but it's right. it's it's can be it can erode a, a relationship if we're not mindful of it and yeah. guard it the way you guys are doing
0: Yeah, and that's uh, please tell the story very quickly and we're going to go to break there we're talking about, you know, how other people perceive us, how we perceive each other. Um, your dad had a wonderful take and a perspective <laughs> when you told him that you were getting involved with this man and right. et cetera, et cetera. And how did that play out? I was um uh,
1: I, uh, I hadn't been with uh, anybody for a very, very long time. And I, you know, I was bringing Gary to meet my dad and I, I was saying to my dad you know well um you know i i hope you like him and we've been together now for a while and Mm -hmm. you know i'm just tiptoeing 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 my dad's not saying a word and he he finally stops and he goes well i don't have to like him you do
2: (laughs) (laughs) oh that's so good
1: (laughs) that was before he met him well your dad's very wise yeah he was he was and they got along just fine but Mm, you know it was my concern what is my dad gonna think about Gary and I was yeah I was waiting for you know is there gonna be a criticism you know is there gonna be something against Gary something against me and my choice you know whatever and he goes I don't have to like him you do there you (laughs) go very good (laughs) very good
0: We are going to head and this is great taking a trip down memory lane. This is all in the bargain here. I wasn't expecting so much of this and it's great. Love will find you nine magnets to bring you and your soulmate together. The author and our guest this hour, Catherine Alice, will talk about some principles of the book. And we'll do our marketing piece coming back, Suzanne, so that we can put you in touch with Catherine Alice to serve your own higher purposes, which start with your happiness. We are Manson Mitchell, give us a couple of minutes. We'll be right back here on AM 1150. Colleen Foy Bolin is offering an exclusive Zoom class on Savoring Life's
1: Spiritual Moments, Saturday, March 5, from 10 a.m. to noon.
0: This Zoom class shows you how the sacred art of storytelling moves you forward on your path and brings inspiration to others. Your
1: everyday experiences can transform into life-changing events when looked at in a new way through Colleen's Creative
0: Exercises you'll discover that enlightenment grows in your own backyard. Colleen is offering this two-hour class at the very affordable price of $20. To register, go to com. That's com. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detail in each magazine with all your itinerary we could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure
1: staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy just go to mansonmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Charlie Serafin, who asks the question, When did you stop being you? We will go searching for your personal brand in this
0: crazy world. On Saturday, Catherine Alice returns for her pre Valentine's weekend visit with her personal message, which is Love will find you. It's not about tips and tricks, it's a way of life. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Don't let that herd mentality lead you off a cliff. We support thinking for yourself on Alternative Talk 1150.
1: Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, Catherine Alice. We've got a 15-year-old book here we're reading from, Love Will Find You, Nine Magnets to Bring You and Your Soulmate Together. It's still a great place to go. If you are wanting to find your soulmate, Catherine Alice, if people would like to connect with you, what are the best places for them to do that on social media and anything else you'd like to share with our listeners?
2: Yeah, well, I have a TikTok. I've only been doing it for a couple of months, but I'm I'm putting a video a day out, and it's getting very good reception. To kind of lift people up and remind them of love, and help them find their soulmate if they're single. Um, and so that TikTok is love, Catherine Alice. Um, and uh, the whole intention is to even combat some of the kind of negative energies you can find on social media, too, is just to lift people up and get, you know, solve the problem rather than keep, you know, complaining about, you know, dating and stuff like that. And also, you can look this book up on Amazon. It's evergreen. People still give it to their friends who are single because it, it works. And so yes. that love will find you. People can find on Amazon. And then my other bestseller is on Audible, releasing a person. And that is for people who've had heartbreak or even a death. It it helps us to let go of attachment. Attachment is not the same as love. So I deal with a lot of heartbreak. And so that is kind of a runaway hit on Audible because people need it.
1: Excellent. And I also just want to mention the name of your spelling because Catherine can be spelled in many different ways. True. And yours is K-A-T-H-R-Y-N, Catherine Alice. Alice right. normal spelling. Yes. All right. And uh, TikTok, love Catherine Alice? Is right, it, right. Love yes. Catherine Alice on TikTok.
0: Okay. Well, I want to check that out myself. I'm curious in particular about learning how to let go of someone you're doing so well with your program on audible. Does this releasing someone involved? And I'm guessing yes. Does it involve stages of grief when that person has passed away and you're not going to see them again in the body. You have them in your heart and always in your mind, but you have to physically separate
2: Yeah, I mean, that's such a big topic. And no, I made it, I was directing crisis support for many years. And one of the primary sources of people coming in suicidal was a breakup, you know, death we dealt with and we had bereavement support, did a lot of that too. But this was for for that particular lane because I specialize in love. And so people use releasing a person. I don't get into the grief that much. It's just kind of cutting to what's going to reduce the pain directly. And so I do that with some tools and a guided meditation. But many people have used it to release a death um, and and to ease that pain, you know, and and it works the same way. But it was primarily for people suffering after a breakup or couldn't get over someone, you, you know, like that. So, because attachment is a human, we are hardwired for attachment and dissolving it when it's, you can't, it's not going to do you any good, but cause pain is a tricky thing.
1: The fifth magnet in your book, love will find you is release old loves.
2: Exactly. And And that is hearkening to this, this other work that I do, because the biggest delay, the biggest block to love is hanging on to someone your past. Attachment is so powerful. You can't even get out the gate to find love if you're still attached to someone and it's not happening,
1: you know? You know, I'm going to just guess this and you can tell me I'm right or I'm wrong. But I think in the normal course of a human life, when you are just starting out and you're either in grammar school or high school or maybe college, there is going to be that first love, that first encounter, that, that first someone, and do you ever really forget them?
2: Uh, I don't think you do, but I don't think that's necessary. You know, love, true love is unconditional, and, and you love each other through anything and everything, and your first love is so powerful. I don't think you have to completely get over it. You're always going to love them. They're always going to have that special place for you. But again, you know, attachment is not love. So we have to let go of the attachment. If it didn't work out, most people's first love is not their true love. Um, And so they do have to let go. They can have a fond feeling, but when you meet your soulmate, as you know, you get so caught up in that life together and the romantic whirlwind, you know, you don't want to be with that person. You're glad it didn't work out because it's so much better with the right person, you know, but people don't know that. They don't know that when they fall in love, you know, I have a bunch of boys, some of who've been in love and it didn't work out or had a crutch and it's devastating because you've never had it and you don't know you're going to get that same feeling again, with somebody even better, Uh, you know, and so that's, yeah, first love is, is, is something to deal with for sure.
1: Oh, I would think so. And you're right when you say, that what you get after that is going to work out so much better because first loves are when you are generally way too young and way too immature to really see how that is going to work out. And what makes that interesting is that, excuse me, I know a couple of people that have been married since high school, a really long time, and it's worked out for them. But Every I, now I and then,
2: you know, first love is your soulmate. For most people, <laughs> there's value in, in having a couple of experiences. Dating, There's it's a process. And it, for most people, there is value in it, but we just can't get stuck on it. And people do get stuck on it, stuck on it, stuck on it. That's why this releasing a person is such a hit, because it is a deep issue. It's super painful and um and it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to linger like that so that's right. one of the one of the demographics who really really need that and like it are people you know usually young people getting over their first love so yeah
0: this whole business of, of dating going out going to the clubs going to where people seek love they're seeking their soulmate or a mm-hmm. partner or an evening's entertainment, perhaps. And the supreme irony, it seems to me, Catherine, is that people will go through this process for years, in most cases, until they find that one right person who can keep them from having to go out to the clubs and on dates and et cetera. So we work like hell to get ourselves out of the situation where we have to do all that.
2: Exactly, (laughs) right. And, And for some people, it's quick. For some people, it's a long process. Most times it doesn't need to take that long. You can meet someone very quickly. And when I get hold of somebody and they it's taking a while, usually there's something holding it up. They could be avoidant attachment. They could be neurotic attachment. um, they, They could have some wounds they need to heal in order to actually form a healthy attachment with the right person. And by the way, Gary, I love that you guys have a way with words, which while you're on the radio, but I love that the way your category, like you just kind of wrote off a one night stand as an evening's entertainment. (laughs) What what an elegant way to put that, I must say. (laughs) You're
0: quite welcome. I'm going to be copywriting that.
2: (laughs) I know. Seriously, that's a good one. I love (laughs)
1: Oh, well, speaking of love, I don't want to end this hour without talking a little bit more about Valentine's Day. Gary and I have had Valentine's Days when many, 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 many Valentine's Days when we didn't have a Valentine Mm. and and now we've had uh, each other for the last 20 Valentine's not all of which were well celebrated and a lot of times it had to do with way too much at the last minute and not, you know, yeah. getting our act together. And I'm happy to say that this year our act is together. Gary made dinner reservations a week or two ago. And so we're we're all hey. set with, with going out to dinner that night, which we have not done every year. But, you know, it's one thing when you're In a couple and you are making plans, not making plans, doing well, not doing well, but just overall for all for everybody in Valentine's, how can we make it a holiday that people actually enjoy and not dread?
2: Yeah, well, when you're in a couple, I don't find it to be an issue if it's a solid relationship every day is Valentine's Day it becomes that hallmark holiday like that first soundbite you guys had which truly hallmark did invent it um so usually for couples it's not a big deal unless they're having issues um you know and like for you guys if you celebrated you didn't it wasn't the biggest deal because you're every day is romantic and every day is solid, you know, together. I find it the most painful for people, not with their soulmate because they're seeing their coworkers get flowers, uh, you know, and they're seeing everybody and it makes them feel like a have not. So what I suggest for people who are single or, you know, having pain over Valentine's day is use it to bring love to you Um, and remind yourself, I'm not a have not. It's just taking me a little longer to have my own Valentine. Once you get your Valentine it'll make up for every bad Valentine's day you have. But what I suggest for people to do, and we've talked about this before I did it is to, to, do honor the soulmate you haven't met yet on that day. And so be good to yourself, love yourself, give yourself some candy or flowers, a tree to remind yourself, I have to love myself first. Then I can attract love, but then buy something for the soulmate you haven't met yet, which I did. I got a card one lonely Valentine's that said forever is not long enough with you. And I put it on my little altar that I have with candles and different things. And, and, um, and one day I met John and when we were getting married, I took this now graying around the corners card and I gave it to him on our wedding day. And he cried. I told him the story behind it. Um, and it worked. And so I have people do that. And it's pretty interesting because they always do end up giving it to that person. So I suggest anybody who's single, who's feeling like I have not, let's make it into an affirmation that you do get love, be good to yourself and go buy something, buy a gift, get a card write a poem for the love that's on their way to you. And that's a better way to use the day.
1: We, we talked to a gentleman in Colorado who specializes in manifesting.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
1: and one of the things that, that he recommends that people do to manifest is if it's really difficult to say, I, right now, I, I have the love of my life. He says, you can say in my future, I have great love in my life. In my future, I have a romantic partner Hmm. in my future. I have, but you're kind of the the in my future kind of thing gets thrown away. And, and so you're really affirming, you know, in in a way that your
2: brain can, can deal with, you you know, can believe. Yeah. Right. And that goes very nicely with this because it, Yeah. you don't have them yet, but instead of thinking, I'm never going to have them making ourselves a big, have not, we're affirming that they're coming and planning for it and planning for it has tremendous power to manifest
1: In, in my future. I have a Valentine's day with my soulmate and then as you said buy a card for him or her and there you're off to the races because That's you're really right. planting that seed solidly within yourself to have that soulmate experience.
2: Exactly. That's right. And so I hope anybody listening will remember that. It it doesn't have to be a bad Valentine's Day. Um, Do what you can with it to make it fun. I always say expressing love to others. You know, we still send flowers to different relatives who don't have a Valentine and and our kids, you know, we do stuff for them. It, It just becomes a general day of expressing love. That's also a very good use of it.
0: I think one of the things that attracts people to what formerly was known as religious science, there is a book we've talked about it many times on this show over the last 15 years, The Science of Mind, written by a spiritual philosopher, a self-taught genius, in my opinion, named Ernest Holmes. One of the things that comes through, and it goes back at least to the time of the New Testament, There is something that I think people would love to get the hang of, but they don't want to risk disappointment or perhaps they are held back by fear of the unknown. And that is to do just as you suggested. That's a concrete example. Buy this card expressing how you feel toward your soulmate and hold on to it until you can present that card to him or her. Right. This idea of we and spiritual mind treatment is a five-step process that we may get into sometime in more detail. But the notion is to pray, to use your imagination, and always with a spirit of gratitude for the good which you are sure is on its way to you. You're doing all of this spade work, right? All of this advanced work for a result that you can see, within the confines of your cranium, but you don't see it objectively in your life. And that's where I think, Catherine, a lot of people get caught. It's like, it's great when I'm laying back in bed and I'm visualizing this wonderful man or woman, we're married, we're living together, we're going on Mm -hmm. great vacations, we're building our wealth, but it's in the ideational stage. Not everybody can easily and effortlessly take that step into creating the circumstances that will attract your soulmate to you because they're really not sure they exist
2: exactly there you go well bravo because i completely agree and we are you know in our faith because i also am a practitioner in this you know spiritual living um it we are taught to pray in an affirmative fashion so it's not begging pleading because that's kind of thinking you're have not and Jesus said, uh, "Pray, believing that it is done, believing that it's true, having that faith." And so that's the kind of prayer we do—is is along those same lines of just affirming it's happening, and I do get what I want. And, you know, I'm not going to have it dangle in front of me only to be jerked away. And a lot of people think that about love—that they're doomed to, for you know, to never have it. They're left out. And if we could change that, it's the m- most magnetic place to bring love in, too. So yeah.
1: Yeah, that was my exact thinking when I moved to Seattle, uh, before I met Gary, my thinking was that I really had been dating for so many years and was just tired of it. And so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to date anymore. I'm, you know, I'm going to get a great job by a house. And, you know, my life is going to be going off in a different direction. Uh-huh. And so, you know, the idea that um, I pretty much gave up I said, you know, I'm well educated. I earn a good living, so it it just it seems like statistically very slim chances of my meeting somebody, and so that was my belief system. I had another person kind of shake that out of me when (laughs) another another man was saying that he just said right out loud, I want to have love in my life," and I thought, well, that's kind of bold. You know that's mm-hmm. that's way out there, and I I had already determined that that wasn't possible for me. But when I heard another person say it, I followed up with, "Yeah, I want that too." You know, it was like, "Oh, I can buy that. I, I, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll I'll do that. I'll do that." So you know, that's when I I finally came around to different thinking, saying maybe it's mm-hmm. possible,
2: and the rest the, is history.
1: <laughs> yeah, <because laughs> it worked. I, because I do think that, as you said, at the opening of the interview, that the the number one thing is that people don't believe it's possible. And I didn't believe it was possible either. Until yes. somebody said, maybe it is. Mm-hmm. That's I, right. I went, Oh, Oh, okay. Maybe it is. So you do, you do have to have a different belief about it. And as Gary was saying, when you do your, your meditation, your prayer work, you do have to say, you know, I can have this in my life. Give yourself that kind of permission.
2: That absolutely, yeah, place to go. Mm -hmm. Hmm.
0: And sometimes you get that encouragement from others because I recall you've told me the story a few times of a lady who attended a class about a lot of these things we're talking about these principles of how to manifest in your life and how to pray affirmatively so that you aren't begging God you're declaring a truth. And the circumstances Mm -hmm. bear out that truth, the principle behind it all. Mm -hmm. But there was a lady that caught you in the parking lot. She had something she just had to say to you as you were preparing to move to Seattle.
1: Well, that was the other thing I was, I was living with my mom at the time and mm-hmm. so this was a, a a big move for me to leave the situation that I was with her and go out to you know start my own life, and um, and the lady out in the parking lot came up to me crying at the end of our wisdom course, our um, spiritual living wisdom course, uh-huh. she came out to me and she said, you know you you have to make this move, you have to go uh, you know, find love and you have to do it for all the women who have been taking care of their mothers. She said, you, you have to have mm-hmm. your, your own life and your own thing and, and, and be an example for the rest of us. And mm-hmm. she, she was in a situation of taking care of her mom and she was
2: hoping for something better. Yeah. 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 Well, I think there's every hope. There's always hope, no matter what. Just like at the top, all these people behind me have amazing magical love stories that could have seemed unlikely. Uh, And just like the lady who was a widow at 70, and I'm sure at that time, she thought it was over, that she would never be in love before, never have that. And at age 73 is engaged and no doubt floating around like a teenager in love, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, at any age. (laughs) <laughs> I it, Yeah, at any age. And and I, lately, I've been kind of aware of that from different news stories and things that, you know, we, we think past a certain age, it's all over with. And it's really not some of the most creative artwork has been done by, you know, people who are in their elder years a lot Mm -hmm. of really good volunteer work organizations have been started by people who are retired and have the free time on their hands and they see a need and fill it. So there's a lot of things that can be done past a certain age, past when you, you, you think you're too ripe, I'm too mature and I'm too ripe. And so I'm not going to, you know, love isn't going to find me. Well, yeah, that's not true. Is it?
2: It's never true. Any, any kind of, uh, Negativity about it is not true. I'm here to say.
0: Well, very good. I did want to ask you, Catherine, if you've ever considered your book 15 years later, all the good that it has done, I mean, that much is clear. Have you ever thought of writing a revised edition that would include some of these success stories and maybe even refine a principle or two that has worked especially well in your own practice?
2: That's a good idea. Um, yeah, I should do that. Um, we we were happy to finally get the audio book out last year. It's like, that was a miracle. Um, but yeah, you know, that's a good idea. And if not, many people have told me to write a new book, just with a lot of the love stories, like we're talking about today to, as a template. Because a lot of people, if you're on that channel, you don't even hardly ever see a happy relationship. You can really think it's all dysfunction when in fact, there are all kinds of people in love, soulmates, living, functional relationships that are really good. And they can have that too. Yeah.
1: yeah. And I say that about the news, you know, the news is always the bad news, the bad
2: news. That's right. That's don't right. They don't news. report all the births and all the healings right. and all the beautiful yep. things that happen way more predominantly than the little tiny sliver of bad stuff.
1: Exactly. And the same thing with relationships too. You get, you hear about the bad stuff. You don't often hear about, all the good that's going on in the world yeah
2: and there's a lot of it
1: there is a lot of it
2: there it's well-being you know it it absolutely prevails
1: well thank you for being with us on this valentine's weekend again
0: and once again the title of your wonderful book 15 years and still going strong love will find you Nine Magnets to Bring You and Your Soulmate Together, now available on audio as well. Onward and upward, Catherine Alice. We can't wait until we can do this again.
2: Thank you so much. It's always such a delight to be with you guys and sending you lots of love and your audience as well.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
1: All right. Stay tuned for Jupiter Rising
0: and join us again next Friday. We'll be back. Hope you folks have a wonderful day watching the game. And then you got Valentine's Day and all that good stuff. We shall meet again on the air.